As Pastor Dan Lasik was preaching, he was talking about Thanksgiving. And the one thing that he said that I thought it really was the thing that really stuck out to me, it was that we don't just, we're not just thankful, but we are saying thank you to someone for all of life. And that's what makes worship so different because it's not just songs that we're singing about someone, it's songs that we're singing to someone to the king who reigns and rules. And so I just want you to pour that on him. Just take another moment right there and just thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. Just just honor him. Just forget about who's around you and just thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for whatever it is you're thankful for. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you for your love, Lord God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God. Because you love me first, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Amen. 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 We serve an awesome God, don't we? Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. If you would, open your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. At this time, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, hallelujah, hallelujah Jesus, hallelujah Jesus, Lord your name, digno eres. Praise the name of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, when you got it, say so. And it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. <clears throat> Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know that what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed from whom the Lord will consume with, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness father we do humble ourselves before you and your word right now we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your holiness that we're reminded of in these moments. And Holy Spirit, 
as you've graced us with your presence in this room today, I pray that you would captivate our hearts through the preaching and teaching of your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, and I pray that you would give us the faith to respond. I pray that we would do what your word commands us to do and that we would forsake what your word commands us to forsake. Father, I pray that you would be glorified in this time, that I share your word, that I would decrease and that you would increase. May your name be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand and just hold it up and the ushers will get the outline to you. Hold it up there. I want to make sure that everybody has an outline. As I always remind you, it is good for you to have these outlines because you can follow along in the intro. There's also some questions for you so you can kind of internalize and think through the questions. And the last reason why these outlines are important for me is that way you are able to take this and hopefully help someone grow in their faith. And so that is my weekly admonishment as a, as a person who is committed to making disciples and praying that we would be a church that is also committed to making disciples. This makes it a little bit easier for you to be able to do that. So my prayer is that you do, I mean, I've been saying this for the last few weeks intentionally, my prayer is that you have already, I mean, you've been praying, I hope, you know, I hope you've been hearing the Lord and that you have someone that you're helping grow in their faith. That's very, very important. If you are not, you can repent now. Amen. Glory to God. And you can continue praying or begin praying and ask the Lord for some real guidance to be able to help someone grow in their faith. And so we are continuing in our series, our end time encouragement. And so here today, we're going to talk about the sure future. That's the title of the message this morning is sure future. If you look at the first uh, paragraph there, it says, there are few things that we can be assured of in the future. Social security, Retirement funds, health insurance, health, length of days are all unsure. Hello, somebody. There's no guarantee that any of that stuff is going to be there. I mean, there are people that have, they, listen, they eat organic. Hello, somebody. They don't eat meat, glory to God. I don't know how they do that. But anyway, they, I mean, they are health nuts, glory to God. I'm just saying. And these, and there are some people that they just end up sick and they don't, and they don't know why. Because none of that, you can, you can work, and I'm not telling you just be unhealthy and be like, well, Bishop said it don't matter anyway, so I'm just going to be unhealthy. I'm not going to work out. I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you is that you can do all that you want to do, and there are no guarantees. Pastor Chad alluded to it earlier. He said, you know, there, we, we get asked these questions, you know, of people that, you know, um, you know, have diseases and things like that, and we don't know how they got them or why they have them. And, you know, the reality is that we live in a fallen world, and that is just the truth. And so there are very few things things that are sure. There's one, there, there's one thing that is for sure. That is for sure. We will all die. Hello. That's a guarantee. There's no, there, you, Social Security may not be there. There will be a day you will breathe your last. I'm just saying. It's going to happen, right? I mean, so the reality is that's for sure. But there's some other things, or, you know, other things that we can be sure of, and it is that when we study the prophetic utterance of the scriptures, we can be sure of the future that God has promised will all come to pass. Are you here? We can be assured that whatever God says, what I love about the Bible, and just write this down if you're, you know, taking notes. I think this is important for you. For those of you that are out there that are talking to people that, you know, are going to um, question the validity of the scriptures. And, you know, there's plenty of people that do that. They question, how, how is the Bible valid? That's not God's word, right? I mean, you've had that conversation with someone or you've heard somebody in that conversation. And the reality is this. One thing that I want you to know is that, first of all, the Bible is 100% accurate, right? There's no inaccurate. 
inaccuracies in the scriptures, right? So we know that. When you look at the Bible geographically, the Bible is accurate geographically. When you look at what it, when it describes things in geography, those things are accurate scripturally, right? So that can happen anywhere, you know I mean? Somebody could just look at geography and then wrote, you know, written something down and that would have been okay. So that's true. The second thing that is true about the scriptures is that the Bible is historically accurate. All of the things you see in the Bible, you can measure uh, in history and you can find them there. They're going to go ahead and be played out the way that they're communicated. But the one that I really get excited about, because someone could have written this book later on and got history right, but the one that I love is, the, is this one. It is that one-third of your Bible that you hold if you are a believer. One-third of that Bible is prophecy, meaning that it is scripture that was written before things occurred. One-third of that. And, and, and what I want you to realize is that two-thirds of that one-third have already come to pass exactly as the Bible predicted. So, you know, we can, we, we, can, we can dismiss geography, we can dismiss history, we cannot dismiss prophecy. Are you here? And what I, what I want to encourage you with is that if two-thirds of that one-third have already come to pass, guess what's going to happen to that last third? Hello, somebody. That last third is going to come to pass, right? That last third is going to be exactly how God said it. That's the reason for the title, Sure Future. Because what the scriptures say are going to happen are going to happen. It's been proven. And so, you know what? I'm not going to believe. I said this before. I, I actually forgot to say it a few weeks ago. But I said it to the men that, that I was preaching with or that I was preaching to. And it was that God has yet to fail and you are not going to be his first failure. Are you here? And so everything that God communicated to you, everything that God has spoken to your life, everything that is in the word of God for you and me, guess what? It will come to pass because God is faithful. And so we can stand firm upon that truth. Second paragraph here, just as the Thessalonian church, we can be shaken in our faith in God and his ability to keep his promises and in his ability to govern the affairs of the world. And here's what I want you to get, is while we may not know times and dates, we do know the one who does and our hope should rest firmly in him. See, we don't know when Jesus is coming, but we know he's coming. Hello. And we know the Father holds all of those days, all of those times in his hands. And so we can trust him with our lives. Third paragraph here. As the church, we must realize and rejoice in the reality that we are a part of a greater story. And that is redemption. Someone say amen to that. We are not the redeemer at all. Jesus is the one who is redeemed. I was talking to someone, I forget who it was, but talking about the Bible, it was, it was, it was Brother Eric. We were talking about the scriptures. And as we're talking about the scriptures, you know, people look at, you know, creation. I'm going to be having a conversation tomorrow with someone regarding creation and regarding mankind and things like that. Pray for me, please, because I need God's wisdom to deal with this. Because here's the truth, that some people look at the Bible and they think that the Bible talks about all of history. It does not talk about all of history. Are you here? What the Bible speaks of is the most important aspect of history, and that is God's plan of redemption from beginning to the end. Are you here? And so when we look at the scriptures, what is it talking about? It is speaking to us of a specific portion or specific things that happen in history that walk us from the creation when there was nothing and God creates everything and then God moves forward from that point to where man falls and when man falls, then God has a plan. He already had a plan beforehand because before the foundation of the world, Jesus was what? He was predestined to die for us in our place because God knew that we were going to sin against him 
in the garden. And so when we go ahead and we look at the historical reference in Scripture, it shows us this redemptive plan that God moves through. It walks us through the fall of man. It walks us to the place of where Jesus dies, where Jesus rises. And then we look forward to the future where Jesus is going to come again. See those two-thirds or that one-third? That's what I'm talking about. And we're looking forward to the one-third that is yet to come to pass. This is the beauty that we have. But what we have to understand is that that is what the Bible is talking about. And what I want you to realize is the fact that you are saved today, the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus, guess what? You are part of that redemptive plan in someone's life. You are part of that redemptive plan in other people's lives. See, when you look at the scriptures, right, there was a guy by the name of Cornelius. You remember him in the book of Acts? Well, he was a man who was a just man. He was a man who gave alms. He was a man that was righteous by, you know, standards in God. God calls him righteous because the scriptures are, 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 are communicating there. They're inspired. And so this guy, he's seeking the Lord, fasting and praying. An angel appears to him, says, send for what? Send for this guy by the name of Peter. And when Peter has, at the same time that the angel is visiting him, Jesus is visiting Peter and telling him, hey, man, you know, go ahead and eat. And he's not, you know, I'm cleansing all foods at that moment. What he's saying is he showed him all of these unclean things and this blanket thing. And as it comes down, Peter's like, never, Lord, hello. I'm just thinking like, you know, even, even after the resurrection, Peter is still arguing with Jesus. Hello. I'm just thinking at some point you got to just give in and say, okay, Lord, whatever you say. But Peter is so pious, he is so holy, and he's like, never. I'm I'm never going to eat anything unclean. The whole point was that God was preparing him for the knock at the gate when someone was going to call and say, hey, I want you to come and sit down with these Gentiles who need to hear the gospel. Are you hearing me? What happened was at that moment in this little picture, we see Peter as a part of the redemptive story of Cornelius and his family. And what I want you to get excited about is the same thing that I got excited about as I was studying the text because what I realized is that in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of hardship of life, God still has you as part of the plan of redemption in other people's lives. And that we are, no matter what we are facing, we are called to be part of that. And so it's important for us to seek God's will, to seek God's grace, and to seek God's wisdom so that way we can be utilized and we can remain focused in on the things that he's called us to do. So here is my big idea for today. Let me say this before we get there. Our lives cannot be consumed by the temporal and present, but we must strive to find the balance between living for eternity while being responsible in the present. Did you hear that? Our lives cannot be consumed by the temporal and the present. When Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's speaking on the topic of marriage. And what he says there at one point is he says, I wish that all of you could be like me. He said, because what? I'm single, and so I don't have to worry about anything except God's business. Are you getting that? It's all he had to do. The only thing that he had to worry about was God's business. But when you get married, he said, you're going to be concerned about the things of this world. Why? Because now what happens is all these other things begin to apply to you. See, to a single man or a single woman, you don't have to worry about submitting to a husband or loving a wife. Hello. If you want to live out of your car, you can. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, right? I mean, you, you, could, you could, I'm not telling anyone to do this. I'm just saying. You could go ahead, get a membership to some gym, right? Pay like 40 bucks a month, live out of your car, go take a shower every morning, brush your teeth, shave, do all your stuff. People do it all the time. Hello. I'm not, I'm not saying they live out of their car. I'm just saying they do all that stuff at the gym in the morning, right? It's kind of crazy sometimes. Anyway, but here's the thing. 
you could go ahead and you could do that. Now, if you're married, not so much. Because that young lady, that bride, she's going to be like, nah, brother, we ain't living out of your car. Hello. I, I, I want a bed that I'm going to sleep in, right? And, and, and typically what's going to happen is the next step in the process, right, because it's supposed to be you're single, then you get married, then you have sex. Hello, somebody. I know our culture's messed it up or something like that. But anyway, the way it's supposed to happen is I'm single, right? I love somebody. Hello, somebody. I get married to that somebody. Then we consummate because we consecrated first. Hello, somebody. Then we have babies. And guess what? You ain't going to live out of your car with your babies, glory to God. Just imagine a whole family going up in the L.A. fitness, right? Like everyone is going in there taking shots. That'd be crazy, man. But probably do it at the Y, you know, be a little bit more, you know, family friendly or whatever the case may be. But nonetheless, the point is, right, that, that, that we cannot be consumed with the temporary, but we have to be responsible with it. And we have to strive to find the balance that we are going to be committed to doing the things that we have to do in this natural world based on the responsibilities that we have, and at the same time, making sure that we are living for eternity. We're living for the glory of God. And so here's the big idea for today. As we see prophecy come to pass, we must play our role as gospel witnesses. Did you get that? As we see prophecy come to pass, we must play our roles as gospel witnesses. This is so very important. As I I was studying this text, this became the big theme that I saw here as the Apostle Paul is encouraging this church, is that prophecy is going to come to pass. And and what's going to happen, and I want you to notice something about these prophecies coming to pass. I want you to notice, you know, some people at the end of the reading there, they weren't like, amen. They were like, oh, it was a hump because it's a humbling scripture. It's, it, it's not this, you know, and, and, and I'm a firm believer that I believe that God is going to bring a harvest into the church for sure before his return. I, I believe that's going to happen. But what I want you to also know here is very clear in the scriptures that there is going to be a great falling away before Jesus returns. It's not the picture of the church that, you know, you just, you, you want to see, which is just an amazing church. And, and if you're in, in, obviously we're in America, and, and, you know, half of America or more is really revived and really seeking Jesus. I hate to tell you this, it's probably not going to be like that. What we are going to see, though, is we're going to see people getting saved for real and people persevering for real. And the reason why it's so important for us to maintain our position and to make sure that we are playing our part is because we don't want to fall out of step with what God's redemptive plan is for the people's lives of of those that are around us. We want to be part of what God is doing in this earth. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, recognize the lies and stand in the truth. The first thing we need to do is recognize the lies and stand in the truth. Let's look at verses um, 1 through 3 in chapter 2 here. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. In verse 3, and we'll just read the first part there, Let no one deceive you by any means. So we have to recognize the lies and stand in the truth. The day of the Lord is supposed to be a great hope and relief for believers. Are y'all looking forward to that day? 
I, I, know, I know there's things that we want to see done and things that we want to do. You know, I, I was able to experience one of them, you know, um, this past um, Saturday, I think it was. Uh, I was able to experience my amazing daughter driving me for the first time. Hello. She did a great job. I did, when I did post, it was the first time I ever went live, and I said in there, we can go from live to death immediately. It can happen right now. It's un uncut, unedited, no pressure at all on her. You know, so she's live. In the, and we can, but, you know, the, the, the truth is that I'm not saying that we don't want to see stuff in this natural world, but what I am saying is that th th there's got to be a desire that we look forward to that day. That, 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 that redemption is completed. That day that we celebrate, that we look forward to, that needs to happen in our lives. That's something that should be occurring in our lives. One of the greatest, let me say this, one of the greatest encouragements that we have as believers, and if you're not a believer, this is, this is something that you can get in on by putting your faith in Christ, is that no matter what we are facing, we have a day that we look forward to that all that we're facing will cease to be. And, and it's not claiming bankruptcy. Hello. <laughs> it's, it's not the strike of 12, you know, at the end of this year that, that everything, because really everything doesn't go back to, you know, like, like, you know, blank. In some areas it does. But in reality, you still go with the same everything you had, right, from, from 1159 to 1201. Are you here? But there's a day that we get to look forward to, the day that is supposed to be the greatest encouragement. Listen, one of the, one of the worst things about the whole prosperity garbage that we hear out there that's false and untrue is that it gives us a false hope for a false future. It gives us this false hope that, you know what, hey, if I sow this, guess what? You know, you, you, you're going to get a breakthrough. What happens if God doesn't break through? Can we, let, let, let's, let, let's do a poll right here. Can we just do a poll? Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest and open. How many of y'all have ever heard that word? If you sow this seed, you're going to experience some kind of breakthrough. You, now, listen to my question. You sowed that seed, and you didn't see the breakthrough. Raise that hand. Come on. Come on. Get it up there. Get it up there. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. We in the house of the Lord. Hello. Come on. I'll put both hands up. I've done it more than once. Listen, the reality is I'm not ashamed to say that there are moments in my life that I'm like, man, I, I really, I really want to see this breakthrough. I really, I really want to see this thing occur in my life. And you know what? The truth of the matter is that I should have a greater hope, not in, you know what? Because there are some situations that you and I are going to just have to walk through. And you know what? You and I don't walk alone. That's the beauty of this is that we don't walk by ourselves. He promises us to walk with us through everything, and not just that, but walk with us to eternity. Walk with us until that day. And so we got to recognize the lies and stand in the truth. See, the enemy wants to discourage us as often as possible. And listen to this. One of the greatest discouragements the enemy tries to bring is accusation against the Lord as though we have been forgotten by him. You see, what was going on with the Thessalonian church is that they were confused. Something had happened between the first letter and the second that these people were, 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 were being told that the rapture had already occurred, that Jesus had already returned. And so they're over here like, man, did he forget about us? Did we miss something? And so they are becoming discouraged. And so the reason why Paul is, in, is writing to them is to encourage them that the rapture has not occurred, that we still have time to look forward to. And you see, the same thing happens in our lives. It's not concerning the rapture. But when we go through stuff, sometimes we start to feel like, man, did God forget about me? The accusation against the Lord. But listen, this is the oldest trick in the book. What did he do in the Garden of Eden when he was talking to Eve? Do you remember that conversation? He was like, oh, the Lord doesn't want you to be like him. 
Immediately there was an accusation against God. Like God is trying to withhold something good from you. Hello. Like God is trying to keep you from something good. Like when God says no, it's because he just wants to be mean and he wants to see you suffer. Are you here? That's the idea that we come with. Whenever we hear no, how many of y'all like to hear no? No. Nobody likes to hear no. How many of y'all like to say no? Let's, let's, let's. <laughs> you ain't right. You are not right. I hate saying no too because I know how bad it feels to hear no, right? I'm just, I'm just being honest again. I'm just, I'm saying, I'm, I'm keeping it real. But here's the thing, right? Nobody likes to hear no. But you know what? When God is saying no to us, it is not, he's not like me. Like, I don't know everything. And so there's some things I say no because I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to make sure. Whenever God says no, it's because he knows best. He's never trying to hold anything good from us. Whenever God says no, he is never trying to keep something. He's trying to keep us for something good. Are you here? That's what he's trying to do for us. And so living to please God with eternal perspective is the call for all believers. Distractions rooted in deception. That's what he was telling them here. He says, do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled. He's saying, listen, don't let yourself be, don't, don't be distracted by whatever is going on. Don't be distracted by the hardships that are surrounding you. Don't be distracted about everything that you see happening. Don't, don't let those things distract you, but keep your eyes focused, right? Last thing here that I want to say about this, believers must be rooted. We have to be rooted in the truth of Scripture to ensure that we can discern the lies of the enemy and recognize the truth that we ought to stand on. Are you here? I want, that, that needs to be something that is huge in your heart. I love it. You know, um, Isaac Bagan Jr., he sent me a text about, you know, how to study Scripture. And he's, you know, asking me, hey, is this a good way to study? Those type of texts are very encouraging to me because it shows that someone is seeking out how to study the Word of God. He doesn't want to just read the Bible. He wants to study the scriptures. It's important for us that we are students of the word of God, that we are digging into the scriptures, that we are going in with God, that we are seeking his truth. So that way we know, hold on, that's a lie. That's not true. So we won't be sowing them seeds. Hello, somebody. Uh-huh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I promise you those seeds were a long time ago for me. I'm just letting you know that right now. Second thing I want you to repeat after me this says, be prepared to stand alone for truth. Be prepared to stand alone for truth. See, first of all, you got to recognize the lies and then you have to stand for the truth, but you need to be prepared to stand alone. How many of y'all know that it's not fun standing alone? See, it's, I, I remember one day, it's a terrible situation I'm going to tell you about right now. I was in high school. It was my first year in high school in ninth grade. I was a heathen, 100%. And, you know, sometimes you end up in, in situations that you might deserve, you might not deserve, or whatever the case is. But I remember there was this, there was this dude. He was, a, he, he was a bully. He was in a, in, in a gang and all this kind of stuff. And there was a girl. There's always a girl involved. <laughs> always. It's always about a girl. <laughs> and so I remember going to school, and I and, and I this was and I, I hate to say this, I hate sounding like a punk, but I was a punk anyway. I was just I was, this was before I was ever like ever got into any real fights or anything like that. And um, I remember I have to like justify myself because what I'm about to tell you this is so terrible. 
And so, you know, I didn't want to mess with this dude, right? I, I, didn't, I mean, this guy was much older than me. I was like 16 years old or something like that, 15, something around there. And this guy literally, he didn't even go to our school. He came from, you know, his, his neighborhood with a, with a few of his friends to my school to come and find me. And I'm like... Wow, this is crazy. So I had, I had this, this Spanish friend that was, he was an 11th grader. He was much bigger than me. And he, and he encountered this guy before I encountered him. And so my 11th grader friend took care of this guy. I was like, yes. I didn't praise Jesus back then, but I said yes. I was like, yes. I was like, that's good. The problem was my friend got suspended and he couldn't ride the bus home with me. So as I'm walking home, I I'm, I'm get off the bus, and, I, and I'm, I kind of forgot about what happened because I figured this guy's not going to be around. As I'm walking home, there's a, you know, a short period between my house and the bus stop, as always. And as I'm walking, I see like four cars pass by me, and they went, Arr! I was like, oh, my goodness. My heart dropped, right? It was terrible. At the moment, I was walking with two guys. And I keep walking. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to try to walk as fast as I can so I can be as close to my house and, you know, whatever. And suddenly when this dude comes up in front of me with like three or four of his friends, guess what happens? I look to my right. I look to my left. I was all by myself. Hello. I'm going to leave the story right there. Here's the thing. I had to stand alone, right, in this situation, right? It was, it was terrible. It was a terrible story. I Listen, I got mushed in the face. I didn't push the guy back. I didn't punch him back. And, you know, and that was it. I, he, he left me alone when he saw that I was a punk. That was it. Very embarrassing moment, as you can see. This is very hard for me to talk about. Um, I will confess, I wish that I saw him a bunch of times after that because I was like, bro, you would never mush me again, you know, but anyway. Anyway, I never saw him again, so I pray he's saved today, you know, because I can't mush him now. I got to just pray for him. Well, I could. Technically, I could just be like, come here, brother. I want to lay hands on you, right? Like, go to God. I could. And, and <laughs> oh, my goodness, you know. I just, anyway, so the point is nobody wants to stand alone. Nobody wants to stand alone, especially when you're dealing with a bully, especially when you're dealing with strong opposition, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we do not wage war. Y'all got to stop laughing, man. Stay, stick with me. Get, 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 move, 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 move. Let's, let's move on. Come on now. The Bible tells us that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against all of these spiritual hosts and wickedness, right? So what I, what I realize is that the reason why it is so hard to stand for the truth is not because of the people in front of us. It's because of the spirit that is operating behind those people we are standing in front of. See, there's a real battle that is going on. And so when we come to know the truth, we've got to stand for that truth, and we are going to have to stand by ourselves. And when I say by ourselves, it doesn't mean that we won't be together, but I want you to know there is a minority of people who are standing for the truth today. Are you here? In our culture, there is a minority of people that are standing for the truth. When it comes to any situation, if I started talking about, you know, the LGBTQ community and all that kind of stuff, you know, we go into all that. I don't want to go into all that, but the bottom line is when it comes to standing for the truth, guess what? There's a minority. It's not a majority of people. When it comes to standing up for what is right, for what is scripturally true, what offends others in any area, most of the time we are the minority. And, I, and, I, and I, hate to, I hate to encourage you this way, but we're not going to become the majority anytime soon. It's just the reality. 
We're not going to become the majority in the culture. We're going to continue to be the minority, and we still have to stand for the truth. Verses 3 through 5, look what he says here. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. Now look what he says. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Did you hear that? And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Showing himself, that, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? You see, here's, here, here's what has to happen. I said that we have to be proficient in the scriptures. We have to be students of the word of God. We have to be in there. And what Paul reminds him at the end there, the last verse that I read in verse 5, did I not tell you these things when I was with you? And so what Paul is doing is he's bringing them back to the word of God. He's bringing them back to the truth of scripture. He's bringing them back and saying, listen, y'all stand upon the truth that you know. Don't be shaken. Don't be troubled. Stand upon the truth of the word of God. Stand upon what the word of God has already instructed you in. There is no new truth. Are you here? You see, we, uh, we, we've seen this, in, uh, and, I, and I love when I, when I said something about the falling away. My mom, I heard her say, you know, it's already happening. And the truth is, it's already happening. There's already this falling away. You know, you know this word falling away? This, this, this is the word. I want, I want to give you the definition. It is the word apostasia in the Greek. And what it means is it means to rise up in open defiance of authority with the presumed intention to overthrow it or to act in complete opposition to its demands, to rebel against, to revolt, to engage in insurrection. That's what it means. And what we have here, just a, few, just a few years ago, we saw something, and I hate to tell you this, okay, and, th and this is not because I really feel like talking about, you know, the whole homosexual topic. I really don't feel like talking about it. Sadly, that is where all of this stuff is, is beginning to explode. Because what has happened is, is that we've gone from a place of, remember Romans chapter 1? We've gone from the place of idolatry, right, where God gives us over to our idols, our own ideas. We go from that place of that to then this sexual revolution that we see going on, you know, and, and, and that happened years ago. When That's the reason why people got it backwards. That's the reason why people, I was talking with someone the other day, they were asking me about marriage counseling. They were telling me, now listen to this for a moment. Dad's in here. I mean, all of the dads in here, this would be like nuts to me. But they, I was talking to someone, and he was, and he was telling me of his intention to marry a young lady and as he was telling me about his intention he was saying yeah her father listen to me now her father wants us to move in together first are you kidding me like let me go punch that dad in the face I'll mush him hello somebody I right, what is wrong anyway but but the, the, the truth is you know I'm just kidding but here's the thing I would talk to him for sure but here's here here's the reality it's because of this sexual revolution that already occurred and we gave into that, you know. We gave into that stuff, and so now all of a sudden there is this immorality that is overwhelming our culture. And you know what? It's not the issue. It's not when it overwhelms the lost. That's that. That's not the problem, church. The problem is when the church starts becoming accepting as though that is cool with God. I had a conversation with a young lady. We were talking about. Um, Talking about politics or whatever the case is, I'll spare you all the details. But she was saying she didn't like a particular politician because they supported these, um, you know, the, these camps and stuff like that for people who are struggling with homosexuality and want to be delivered. And so as we started to have the conversation, I said, so you don't, you don't support, now this is a Christian. I said, so you don't support that? And this is what they said originally. I said, I don't think God cares about that. 
Now, listen, I want you to know something. To, to the defense of this young lady, she wasn't trying to be stupid. She's just communicating. As we continue talking, she humbled, she, to me, she humbled herself. She listened to what was being communicated. And I said, wait a second. I said, what did Jesus die for? See, this all comes back to that. What did Jesus die for? He died for all sin. Are you here? All sin. Every sin. And so if he died for that sin, he doesn't want to just liberate you from the penalty of that sin. He wants to liberate you from the power of that sin. It's not just saying, hey, you're forgiven. It's not just that. That's not where it ends. It's where you have been forgiven. Now you are empowered because of what I did to live free from that sin. And the truth is that we're going to have to stand by ourselves because people don't want to, they don't want to stand up. You saw years ago where you had a bishop in one particular denomination of the church that he decided that he was going to be openly homosexual and wanted everybody to accept it. And what, 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 what was the argument? Do you all remember the argument? The argument was that the scriptures were outdated. The argument was, well, you know, these scriptures were written in a certain time. And they apply to a certain culture. Hold on a second. Murder is still murder no matter what culture you're in, is it not? Lying is still lying no matter what culture you're in, is it not? Adultery is still adultery no matter what culture you're in, is it not? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, no matter what culture, no matter what generation, the definitions remain the same. It's not outdated. Is that you don't want to abide by what the scriptures communicate. See, this falling away is an open rebellion against the authority, not of the church, not of the pastor. It is open rebellion against the authority of God and his word. Are you here? You see, and so the truth is what, what, what Paul says, he says, listen, and, and, I'm, and I'll, I'll just say it like this. He says that you know this stuff, like he's telling them, like, you're going to see this. He's not telling them, hey, you're not going to be here for that stuff. He's given him some things that you might see, right, something if you're still alive when this happens. He's given him some things that you might see, and one of them is that there is going to be this falling away. And guess what? When this falling away happens, there's going to have to be someone, and it's going to be a minority. Are you here? There's going to have to be someone who is going to stand up and say, no, 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 that's not true. That's a lie. No matter what it costs us, are you here? Because it's going to cost. At some point, truth starts to cost. Hello. At some point, you know, right now, there's, and this is probably the most petty threat ever, right? It's the whole, um, you know, threat of tax exemption loss and all that kind of stuff. That's not even something, I, I don't, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't even worry about that because it doesn't matter. I, we, we can still be a church without, without tax exemption. Are you here? So that, that's really not a big threat. The threat happens when you start to say that speaking about sin is a hate speech. That's when the threat comes. When you're going to go to jail because you start to say, nope, that is sin. Hello. See, that's when the threat comes. Now you start to see a different thing. And so what's going to happen is when this great falling away happens, that is already occurring. But what I want you to get is that Paul makes this a point. He says this great falling away is going to occur as though this is going to be something that we will see. Something that we will know for sure, something that is not going to be hidden, something that's not going to be obscure, something that's not going to happen over here or over there, something that is going to happen within the church. What I want you to get is this, is that all truth is God's truth, and any truth that contradicts the truth of Scripture is not truth at all. Did you hear that? All truth is God's truth. All truth is his truth. And any truth that contradicts the scriptures, the truth of scriptures, is not truth at all. 
And we need to be a people that say, you know what, God, I'm going to stand upon your word when all of this stuff happens. And so we see that this guy is going to rise up, this man of sin, this, he's going to be revealed, this son of perdition. I mean, this is a person, when he talks about a man of sin, I mean, this is a person that is sinful, that is clearly rebellious against God, that is clearly not honoring God, and this guy's going to rise up. And when you look at other portions of Scripture, you know what he's going to actually do? He's going to actually be used by, used by the devil to do what? To bring a false peace to the earth. Because you know what? Nobody's really sinning. Nobody's really doing anything wrong. They're just doing whatever they want to do. So, so we can't judge anyone, right? We, and, and so we, we're, we're going to have this false sense of peace. But then we know that something else happens later on because then he, he begins to exalt himself. He begins to say, hold on a second. He said, I'm God now. See, that's a problem. Y'all need to watch out for that guy. Hello. <laughs> the third thing, repeat this after me. Say, commit to being a truth bearer amidst the deception. So Paul reminds them of what he says. He reminds them of what he has communicated. He reminds them of the truth of the word of God. And so we need to be able to recognize the lies. We need to be able to stand in the truth. We need to be those who are <clears throat> prepared to stand alone for the truth. And, and, and not just standing alone for the truth, but also we need to be committed to truth bearing. Not just standing up for the truth in, in, in private conversations, but making sure that we are committed to bearing the truth amidst all of the deception that will go on. Let's keep reading here and look what it says. It says, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. So let's pause there for a moment. So what is restraining? So there is something that is holding back what? The full-on manifestation of evil in our culture. There is something that is straining, and I want to say that something is someone. That something is the Spirit of God. It has to be something. It's not something man-made. It's not just you and I. It's not something that is sustained by man. It is something that is greater than all authority that is able to keep evil at bay. Now listen, evil is going to happen. Sin is going to happen. There's going to be uprising, but there's not going to be this, to this total manifestation of evil as long as the restrainer is there. Are you here? And so he says that there is this restrainer that is there. And he goes on, he says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now, do you hear all that stuff there? So this deceiver is going to come on the scene. There's a reason why you need to be discerning and recognize that there are false wonders. Are you here? Now, I only got like two amens. There are false wonders. I know, I, listen, because many of us come from a Pentecostal background and many of us want to see the power of God. Some of us put down our discernment and just go ahead and we accept anything as God's power. Not anything is God's power. There are false wonders. He didn't say, he, he, he said signs and wonders, okay? He's talking about real things that are going to be occurring, that are going to seem like it is the power of God because it is supernatural doesn't mean that it is God Almighty. Are you here? You know, people being demon-possessed, that is supernatural as well. Are you here? 
I remember, I remember being in a, in a prayer service one time, or not in a prayer service, I remember um, being on an altar praying for people. And I remember as I was, as I was, I finished preaching and we did an altar call and, you know, all these kids came up and stuff like that. And I remember as I was walking down the line and I was praying for the kids, I remember praying and, you know, a couple of kids were falling and all this kind of stuff and, you know, all, all that was happening. And I remember there was one kid that he fell, but then he started like slithering like a snake. And I was like, pick that guy up. I felt like Benny Hinn, but listen. I was not trying to imitate Benny Hinn. I just knew that was a demon. That wasn't the Holy Ghost. Are you here? I knew there was a, I, you know, stood him up, prayed for him, and the guy, he stopped slithering. Hello, somebody. The truth is, you know, many of us, right, we'll just be like, oh, man, God's moving. Look at that guy. He's slithering. He's rolling all over the floor. Wait a second. Is that really God? Is that really the Lord? I mean, I'm just saying, like, we have to be discerning. We have to know, is that the Spirit of God? Listen, I'm, I'm going to just throw it out there. I'm going to just say it like this. You know, it's a problem. You know, I always talk, I always talk bad about heresy hunters, okay? I'm going to talk good about them right now. Hello. All right? I always talk bad about them, but I want to I give them credit for something. At minimum, they're trying to discern truth from, 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 from lies. At minimum, they are trying to see the truth, and they're trying to make sure, hey, man, you know what? One, one of the videos that I saw from one of these heresy hunters, it really, it really messed me up. They went ahead, and they, and they, and they showed a woman who was, a, 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 I don't even know how to say the word, a, a spiritist or whatever. And, and so this woman, she was demon-possessed, 100%, and she's walking around in a field, right? And she's doing all this funny jerking and shaking and all this kind of stuff. And they know what they did? They showed a service in a particular Pentecostal church. And can I tell you something? At least half of those people look just like this woman. What'd you say? Right. There you go. Pastor Chad probably sent me the video. I don't know. I'm just kidding. He didn't send me the video. <laughs> he didn't send me the video. I'm just messing. But here's the thing. The thing is, how is it that this looks like this? There should be a difference, don't you think? I'm just saying. We need to be discerning. And we won't be discerning if we're not in the truth. And you need to realize that the enemy is coming to do what? To deceive as many as possible. And you know what? He'll give you false signs. He'll give you false wonders so that way you can stand on false truth. It's like a, that, that's an oxymoron, false truth. But anyway. That way you can stand on, yeah, well, you know, I believe some of the Bible. Hold on a second. No, 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 not some. It's all or none. You take all of the scriptures, you take none of the scriptures. And so the truth is that we have to be those who are willing to say difficult things like, man, I don't know if that's the Holy Ghost. And I'm all for, man, if, if anybody knows me well enough, you know that I'm all for revival. I've been praying for revival since I, was a, since I was a young kid in the Lord. I've been praying to God to part of spirit, but I've always asked God for the same thing. God, don't, I, I don't want something that I got to fabricate. I don't want something that I got to conjure up. I don't want something weird. I want a real move of your spirit. I want something that, man, they can't even look back at me and be like, that was you. No, it was not me. It's not me. It's, it's got to be all God. That's what has to occur if we want to see the move of God to change people's lives. And we have to just recognize what the scriptures say, that in these last days, that this is what's going to happen, this lawless one. And he said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in us. We live in a time of great rebellion. Can I get an amen to that? We live in a time of great rebellion against God. I told you the statistic the other day that most people that believe the Bible, they believe the Bible is true. They believe what the scriptures say are right. And the reason why they don't follow Jesus is not because the church hurt them. It's not because they're offended with the church. It's not because, you know, they're, they're worried about legalism. It is because they don't want to submit to God's ways. That's scary 
Think about that. Yeah, you know what? Doctor tells you, hey, if you do this, you do this, you do this, you are going to die. And you say, you know what, man, I believe you got a degree. I believe what you're saying is absolutely correct. But you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because I like what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because, you know what, I'm just not going to listen to what you're saying because I don't want to stop doing this. That's the culture we live in. That's the mystery of lawlessness. It's a mystery, right? Because to us, it's like common sense, like, hello, somebody. Like, I'm not going to continue to live that way. I'm not going to continue to do whatever I want to do because I know that it dishonors God. But the truth of the matter is it's a mystery of lawlessness because people are blinded by the sin that they are bound in. He says this, he says, and he says in verse 10, he says, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, listen to this, listen to why they're perishing, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Did you hear that? Because they didn't welcome Jesus. They didn't welcome the truth. They didn't receive the love of the truth. They didn't receive, they, 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 were, they were like, nope, I don't want the truth. I'm not, I'm not going to love. It's not just about knowing truth. It's about loving truth because truth is not just, an, uh, not just an object. It's a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's rejecting him. That's what they did. So because of this, right, because they did not receive, the reason why they perish is because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. It's amazing because God is extending his hand over and over and over saying, I love you. Saying, I sent my son to die for you. Saying, here is your opportunity to be saved. And we say, nope, I don't want it because I have to change. Or we believe the other lie that is like, hey, and, 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 it's, and listen, it's a half truth. It's not a whole truth because I always try to finish it. God definitely tells you to come as you are, but he's not going to leave you as you are. See, some people think, I just come to God like I am, and I'm good because I came to him like I am, and so he accepts me, and he accepts me as I am. Again, what did he die for? He died for how you are. Hello. Or for some of y'all, how you is. Hello. <laughs> That's what he died for. Not to leave you in the same condition that you came to him. For sure you can't do anything to cleanse yourself. For sure you can't do anything to make yourself righteous. For sure you need him to do those things. But you need to know for sure that when you come to him, he is not going to leave you in the same way that you came. It's called sanctification. It's called changing. It's called living a holy life. That's what he wants to do. Verse 11 says, and for this reason, God will say, listen to this now. This, this, this is such scary scripture to me. I mean, this is like, and for this reason, what is the reason? Because they did not receive the love of the truth. Because they would not be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Did you hear that? Because you, you know, let, let, let me pause here. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I was talking to someone, they're praying for their kids' salvation. And they're like, man, I just pray that God doesn't do this to my kids. I pray that he doesn't, you know, just forsake them. And listen, this is, why, this is why being a prayerful church is so important. You know, I, I, I want to I challenge the parents in this place. That's most of us in here. I want to challenge you to connect with other parents in fasting and prayer for our kids. And fasting and prayer. See, and for the young people that are in this place, I, I, I need you to understand something. You... You, you may not even realize this, but you are in the biggest battlefield that we have ever seen. 
And, and, and you need to, you know, I, I know I preach long sometimes. Hello, somebody. I know this. But what I want you to understand is don't fall asleep in the preaching of God's word. Don't, 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 don't just dismiss it as not important. It is so important because you are standing on the front lines of battle. Listen, for your friends that are out there, your friends that are loving their lifestyle, your friends that are loving the sin against God, you are the only voice that they're going to hear. You are the only person that they are seeing that is supposed to be living this gospel. And so my encouragement is that you as a young man, as a young woman, that you acknowledge and you understand how important you are to those because you, right where you are, right where Whatever age you are, you are part and you are in step with God's redemption plan for other people. And it's important that you don't fall asleep on that and that you don't be so consumed. Listen, get good grades. Amen, somebody. Right? Do all the good stuff you need to do. But you need to make sure that you are not more concerned with being popular, with being accepted, that you forget that it is okay to be rejected. It is okay to stand alone. But you need to make sure that you don't allow your friends to just go to hell in a handbasket. Hello, somebody. You need to make Make sure that you are a voice and that you stand up and say, hold on a second, and that you begin to pray for your friends, and you begin to pray for your schools, and you begin to pray for your neighbors, and you begin to really seek God and understand that God wants to use you as a young man, as a young woman, and he wants to use you mightily to minister unto those who are dying without hope. You need to get that in your heart. You're not, you're, you're not a Christian. Don't wait. Listen, don't wait till you're old. Hello, somebody. Don't, don't, don't wait until, well, I'm going to have my fun now. Listen, you might die in your fun. I'm just letting you know that. Okay? You may contract a disease that ain't going to be so fun when you get older. I'm just saying. It is important that you consider. Listen, don't play games with, 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 with what God has given you this life and this opportunity that you have. Now is the time for the young people to rise up in the church. Now is the time for you to be a light. Now is the time for you to fall on your face before God and to humble yourself and to begin to seek him like never before and begin to be a voice to this generation. Listen, they're dying out there. They are dying and they are being deceived. I mean, you got, listen, listen, you, you, have, you have sixth and seventh graders. You have kids. They don't even. I'm going to say it like this. They don't even know how to wipe their butt right. And they're talking about their transsexual and their transgender and their, you don't even know, listen, they don't know anything. But that's the culture we live in. That's the way the media is working. That's the way things are happening, that people are being deceived at these young ages. They don't even, they don't know what love is. Hello, man, come on. How many of y'all married your eighth grade sweetheart? We got one. Hello. That's a minority. That's not the majority, right? Praise the Lord. That's good. Hey, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm glad we got one. I'm, I'm sure there are, but I bet you ain't everybody in this room. I married my 20-year-old sweetheart. Hello, somebody. The reality is that we have to be those people. So parents, my encouragement is that you begin to pray, that you begin to seek God, that you begin to knit arms, knit spirits, knit together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Have days of fasting and prayer. Have times you're crying out to God. Find out what you know, you know the schools your kids are going to. Pray for those schools. I mean, lift them up. Begin to believe God for revival in the lives of these kids because you know what? God can do it. I'm telling you. He can do it. But don't just pray. Be engaged in their lives. Don't, don't, don't just think, well, you know what? I had some good Holy Ghost time. I was in there with God. Listen, you need to have some conversations with your kids. 
You need to be involved with your kids. You need to communicate with them, discipling them, finding out where they are, helping them to navigate through life. And if you don't have the answers, listen, find the answers. Don't let your kids come out and, you know, tell you when they're 20 years old that they haven't been serving God for, you know, the last 10 years. Don't do it. Be intentional. Be intentional. Because the truth is that we need, we need a voice in this world, and it's us as parents. It's us as pastors. It's us as students. It's us as the church in the midst of this world. And so I'm wrapping up now. Here's the thing that is so sad to me. When I read this scripture, he says, For this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God's judgments are just. Are you here? His judgments are just. When he sends delusion, it's not because he wants you to be deceived. It's because you have rejected him. You have rebelled against him. Understand that from these scriptures. That we need to be those that say, man, I'm not going to be the voice. I'm, I'm going to be the voice in the midst of this deception. I'm going to be that one that is praying. I'm going to be that one who is seeking God. I'm going to be that one who is injecting my opinion even sometimes when I'm not asked. Hello. I'm going to be that person. It doesn't mean you got to be a jerk. It means you have to care enough to point out, hey, man, you can't live like you want to live. You know, I, I was blessed, you know, anyway, I, you know, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was watching some, um, I, I was looking on Facebook the other day, and I guess the Pope decided that he was going to forgive abortion. I need you to know something. Jesus forgave abortion on the cross. Did you hear me? Jesus died for every person who ever had an abortion. If you're in here and, you, and that's happened to you, he died for that. He doesn't need me to tell you, hey, you're forgiven. He doesn't need somebody that's super spiritual or has a super position in the church to tell you, hey, you're forgiven. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what Jesus said. He offers them that. You know why I bring that up? Because I praise God. Somebody posted on Facebook, and they were like, hey, you know, look at this. You know, and they were saying basically what I was saying right now. You know what that is? It may sound controversial, but you know what they were doing? They were exposing a lie. No man absolves you of your sin. It is God alone that does that. That's just a reality. It's not a bust on, the, on, on anyone. It's just a reality. Nobody is in the position of God except God himself. But we need to be that voice of truth because you know what? If we're not speaking the truth, and you know what? People are going to continue to walk in condemnation. And you know what? And, and let me say that since I brought up the topic of abortion, those women that have had abortions, you know what they'll do? They'll walk around in condemnation when they need to be loved so that way they don't have another one. Are you here? So that way they don't make the same decision again. So that way they don't make the same, they, they're not committing the same sins against God because the abortion wasn't the first sin. Are you here? It's about a relationship with Jesus, but we have to have the right mindset. And so here's my closing question. Are you playing your role in the redemption story of humanity? Are you playing your role in the redemption story of humanity? See, Paul tells this church, he says, listen, the second coming hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't returned. He tells them about all of this stuff that's going to happen. And so what we have to look forward to is I want you to know that this is like almost 2,000 years later that we just read these scriptures. So can I tell you something? We're closer to the second coming of Jesus than they were. And can I tell you something else? 
we're closer to seeing all of the calamity that's promised there than they were. We're closer to seeing all that. And so it's important for us to make sure that we know that God has called us from the youngest in this room to the oldest in this room. He's called us all to be part of the redemption plan for those who are lost. And my question is, are you taking your position? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are. And the first thing I'll say that if you are in this place and you do not know Jesus, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you're not walking in a relationship with Jesus, today he offers you salvation by grace. Today he calls you to repent of sin. He calls you to turn to him. And if you don't know him, you can just call unto him and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you are the only holy one. I recognize that you are mighty. I recognize that you are all powerful and all wise. And I ask you to save me because I can't save myself. I ask you to fill me with your spirit so that I can live the life that you want me to live and I can glorify you. If that's you in this place, I'll be at that front door and you can come and just let me know that you prayed that prayer and that you want to know more about Christ. And secondly, if you're in this place and you're a believer and there's, there's some hurting people in this world, church, and you know what? Jesus is the hope. And he put that hope inside of you and me. And so my prayer is that we would be that light that shines, that we would be those that are committed to what God has called us to do. And maybe you've lost focus. Maybe the holidays is supposed to be Jesus is the reason for the season, but maybe you've lost focus. Maybe you lost focus because of situations that are going on in your life. Maybe you've lost focus. I don't know. But if you just know that you're not as committed as you need to be, Confess that before the Lord today. And as I pray in general, you confess that to him and ask him for his grace and his strength. Father, we come to you today as your sons and as your daughters. We humble ourselves before you and we pray, God, for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in the heavens. Lord, we pray today that your spirit would fill us we pray today that you would give us grace and you would give us wisdom. Lord God, that you would give us a heart that is after yours. God, that you would give us a desire to serve you more passionately. Father, that we would recognize the great demand that there is on us to be a light in the midst of a darkening world. Lord God, that we would recognize the demand that there is on us to serve you despite what may be going on around us, God. Father, may your spirit fill us. May your grace be with us, Lord. May you use us for your glory, for your honor, for your purposes, my God. May you raise up young people in this place, Lord God, as, as, we, as, as, we, as I preach, Lord Jesus, and I feel such a burden for them today. Lord God, I pray, if there's a young person around you, just put your hand on it right now. Lord God, I just lift up these young people to you right now, Father God. I pray that your spirit, I pray that your power would be upon these young men and these young women, Lord God. I pray that they would be a light that shines brightly. I pray that they would be bold and courageous.
courageous. I pray, Lord God, that they would rise up with courage, that they would rise up with wisdom beyond their years, that they would rise up with a burden, Lord God. I pray that they would begin to pray like never before, that they would begin to seek you like never before, that they would begin to know that they are loved and that they have been chosen by you, my God, to go out there and be a light that shines, Lord Jesus. I pray against condemnation over their lives. I pray against insecurities in their lives. I pray against fears and doubts in their lives, my God. And I pray that you would help them to find their identity in you and that they would live for your glory and honor, my God. Father, we pray over our children, my God. We pray over these young people, my Lord. Fill them with your spirit, my God. Father, we thank you for this, my Lord. May you be glorified, Lord God, in our lives as your children. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on this earth as it is in the heavens. We pray these things in Jesus' great name. Everybody said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.